Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. Y'all, I have low-key, high-key wanted to do an episode about the Bermuda Triangle for quite some time. So, um, I don't know why, but little me was terrified of the Bermuda Triangle. Me in the 90s was very concerned with um, one day possibly having to fly over it. Also because my grandparents used to go on cruises a lot and I was terrified that they were going to get stuck in the Bermuda Triangle, that something was going to happen to them while they were there. Now, I cannot really tell you what about the 90s in particular. you know, led me to feeling that kind of pressure, but, um, follow me along this journey. Hopefully we'll, uh, reel it together and explain how I got there. And I feel like this is a very relevant topic for travel and shit because I'm pretty sure I've survived the Bermuda Triangle at this point. So little me would be like mind blown that, that, Fear was for nothing. And if for nothing else, I can at least use it as a, um, a laurel to rest. What do you, what do you do? You rest your head on a laurel or you rest the laurel on your head, whatever. But I can at least say maybe I shouldn't worry about everything that I worry about because as much as I worried about dying, flying over the Bermuda Triangle, considering that I have very likely flown over it, I haven't died. So the Bermuda Triangle, also known as the Devil's Triangle, is an urban legend, which I don't think is an urban legend. This is Wikipedia. I, It's not an urban legend per se, if you ask me. Um, but I get why they would say it's an urban legend, because the mystery behind it all is an urban legend, because there are plenty of people that believe that there is science behind it all. We'll get to that in a second. So is an urban legend focused on a loosely defined region in the western part of the North the North Atlantic Ocean where a number of aircraft and ships are said to have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. The idea of the area as uniquely prone to disappearances arose in the mid-20th century, but most reputable sources dismiss the idea that there is any mystery. So I feel like that's a very politically correct. I won't even say, I don't even feel like leaning towards correct end of it is even applicable because I went into quite the exciting little rabbit hole and I've watched a bunch of National Geographic and History Channel um, videos on YouTube. And I actually did find a, what I thought was going to be like a civilian recorded conspiracy theory video that actually ended up being pretty decent. Um, but again, it was by a regular person, a me of the world, not a scientist. I won't say a me of the world, but really nice content, by the way, the team did a great job on the video. So kudos, kudos to y'all. This episode has a ton of description, not descriptions, but, um, links in the show notes. I watched, um, Lost in the Bermuda Triangle, The Unexplained Disappearances, Season 4, History's Greatest Mysteries. I feel like that was one of the History Channel um, shows. And then there's The Curse of the Bermuda Triangle, Atlas of Cursed Places. That one was interesting enough. That guy used science to debunk a lot of the mysteries. And that's why I mentioned prior that we would get back to it. That video in particular, again, the link is going to be in the description box. That video... And they should all be links to the full episodes. So have fun. He used science to disprove or debunk a lot of the mystery or a lot of the explanations to the mysteries of how some ships and planes disappeared from the area. Um, I also got into what's really happening in the Bermuda Triangle. That was the one that was done by a civilian, like a non-doc. He wasn't a doctor or a scientist or any um, academia, uh, academic and 
at least not in this field. I won't say that this man or his team are not academics because I don't know what the fuck them people do other than the one video of theirs that I watched, which was a nice video. It was uh, very well done, cool edits. Um, and then also, I think probably my favorite one, it's on Disney Plus if you want to watch it um, larger screen or if you just have Disney Plus and don't feel like doing the whole YouTube rigmarole, um, even though I have the links provided for you. Drain the Oceans, um, Bermuda Triangle. Was that the name of it? But that one was on, oh, I closed that one down. But the link will be in there. But the one that's about draining the oceans, that was an interesting one also. Um, Diddly do, 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 do. Okay, so it is comprised of, the Bermuda Triangle that is, it is comprised of a triangular space, if you will, from Bermuda. Florida coast and Puerto Rico. So I live in New York and I've been to Puerto Rico. Now I am not an airline pilot or even a pilot of any, um, capacity other than the pilot of my own life. And, um, so I can't say what the pilots that I have flown with have ever fucking done, but if I'm looking at a map and I'm looking at where New York is and where Puerto Rico is, we would have been straight across that bitch to get there. Straight shot, right? I can't see going up and around or across the um, the coast. I mean, well, what we could have done was flown along the coast and then cut across Florida. But then even if we were to do that, we would still end up I would um, through the Bermuda Triangle either way. So I've lived to tell the story, uh, which again... Little me would be so fucking excited about. But the number of missing ships and planes varies. Some places say, you know, 50s in terms of some, I think 50 and 20 may have been the sequence that I'd seen the most. And that would either refer to 50 ships and 20 planes uh, that have gone missing in that particular area. But there seemed to also be quite a bit of conflicting information in one of the YouTube videos, or it could have just been that I was tired and not able to clearly pay the most attention to. But it seemed like, well, if you're talking about stuff outside of the Bermuda Triangle, triangle but in the region, I would prefer you explicitly say that. That's me. Um, I think that that happened most for me in the episode that was um, the curse of the Bermuda Triangle in that one, when the guy was talking about, um, in the title of the show, it's like the curse of it or something. But regardless of what the exact number are, shit gets kind of crazy in there. Like stuff as there have been at least 70 mysterious disappearances, whether they can be um, explained at another point, whether or not there have been hundreds that have disappeared and some of them have found um, explanations for their disappearance. There have been at least 70 that there are no explanations for. Um, So I mentioned that it was um, between, it was in the water space, which mind you, comprises over 500,000 miles of ocean. Okay. So shit ton of fucking water. Florida, Bermuda, Puerto Rico, the Bahamas actually, well, parts of the Bahamas, those islands fall inside as well, I believe as parts of Turks and Caicos fall inside what is allegedly the Bermuda Triangle space. So I mentioned what I had watched and what makes the Bermuda Triangle notable, you may be asking at this point. Why was I so worried? What was um what were the people talking about, right? So for one, the motherfucking US government done lost niggas in that bitch. There were at least two or three US ships that went missing, and um at least five fucking planes that went missing. And I shall tell you about the two instances in which that happened. First one was the US USS Cyclops. And that was in 1918. Um, it was actually one of the best ships at the time, apparently. And it was transporting some shit from Brazil to Baltimore. And there were over 300 uh, men that were supposed to be on the vessel that all fucking disappeared along with the ship. Apparently there was no distress call. 
no wreckage, and they actually had the capacity to, uh, what do you call, um, they actually had the capacity to, I don't know if submit is the word, but to express or they could make a distress call. Like it was actually something that they were capable, that their vessel was capable of, but there was no distress call. Um, and there was no wreckage of the vessel. It apparently had a flat bottom or something. I guess that had to do with making it so fucking fast and why it was great for the time. But there was a, a part of the little show where they did um, like an experiment in a wave pool where based on the ship's design, a tall wave could absolutely cause that bitch to capsize. Now, okay, reasonable. I can see how, but why wouldn't they have found the wreckage at this point? Unless they were going to say some shit like, and we haven't found the wreckage because that part of the ocean is too deep, then what are we talking about, right? I also believe that through all those little pieces of documentaries, one of them noted that there is an area in the Bermuda Triangle that happens to also be the deepest area in the Atlantic Ocean, which I think is pretty fucking cool. Now, the Atlantic Ocean is no Pacific Ocean, but still, if part of the deepest part of the ocean is in this little vicinity, I think it's of note. But I feel like it was only mentioned in like one of the videos that I watched. Uh, there was also the famous disappearance of flight 19, uh, flight 19 is one of those things that you could easily kind of Google and by easily Google, I would like to take this moment to remind you guys that I am not a scholar or an academic. This was all me sitting and watching YouTube videos, national geographic, um, discovery plus videos, Disney plus videos. So it's been done by the scholars and the academics. I am just the little um, armchair conspiracy theorist that is diving into shit that interests me. So none of this is um, academically checked. I Googled and watched a bunch of videos and it was a good fucking time. And so I'm here to talk about it with you because I'm certain that there is a handful of you who were also a bit perturbed through the 90s because I really feel like I wasn't the only person that was worried about this happening to. So uh, back to flight 19. In 1945, there were actually four um, planes that were going out on a naval training exercise. And I believe they went out into water to do some kind of bombing or something. I was also doing a bunch of other things around the house while some of this shit was on. And I think they were saying that they actually were successful in bombing something in the area. Um, maybe mother nature was pissed and the bitch wanted to hit back. Figured you got hands. I got hands too. I don't know. That's me. That was my little tidbit. That wasn't in the video, but, um, it was a training flight for navigation training, ironically enough. And, um, they did like a re I don't know if it was a reenact. I assume it was a reenactment. I can't assume that they would, you know, have actual like tapes from that with the, like, you know, audio tapes. I feel like there may be transcripts that survived or something, but again, I don't remember that piece of the detail, but they do have a record of what was said. So what I am assuming was a reenactment went through what the pilots of the planes were actually discussing while they were trying to navigate their way through that water space. And they seemed to be a little confused. And in listening to the actual professionals, listen back to the audio or like review the transcript, they were like, it doesn't make sense that they would have suggested this as a recourse. They kind of felt like, well, if you started out going east and you got lost, then just go west and you'll end up back where you started. And so where was the confusion? But that's part of what adds to the mystery, if you will, of the triangle, right? That these people that should have known what the fuck they were talking about who apparently have done this training successfully in the past. And that's another thing that I was questioning. If this was a successful, I mean, if this was a, like a routine kind of mission or a routine kind of training that they were doing, how many times had it successfully been done in that same area? And was this the one and only time that they went this route? 
why is it that they went this route? Like I didn't do all of those deep divings. I am generally not that into um, my little theories about things, but um, that in conversation here, I can say to you, um, I definitely asked my partner, we were talking about it while the shit was on because we both caught that and I asked a ton of questions anyway. So that was one of the things that stood out to me that I would have wanted to have answered in the documentary, but I get that you got, you can't have everything in there. Some shit you got to cut out. Um, but that was, uh, where was I? Oh, but it was a training, uh, flight that they had done. They got lost somehow. They could not find their way. And they assumed that they just ran out of fuel and that the planes went down. And this was about four planes, but they ain't been able to find the planes. They're not even exactly sure where they went. Uh, went missing or where they got confused. They have just guesstimates and all that kind of shit. So you've got apparently in the curses, the video that had curses in the title, the gentleman that was going through, that was using science to debunk a lot of these theories. He was saying that there's actually a LeBron James of whatever study of area of study he had used to investigate that particular theory in relation to flight 19. Um, but that woman had done a really thorough job of doing a flight path or, uh, they kind of worked out where they feel like the planes would have gone, uh, based on a lot of documentation and all of the kind of shit that dumb professional niggas did. She thinks, uh, that it may have gone down in the, wait, was it her or was it somebody else? One of them people on the show, said that it could have gone down in the Florida Everglades. Like it could have gone down along the Florida coast and that maybe it's not necessarily in the, the, in the middle of the ocean, that it could have gone a little bit off track. There was also, mind you, rolling it back a little bit, there was also a fucking rescue plane that went after the planes after they kind of like lost contact with them, after they couldn't find them. They sent a, a rescue plane in uh, behind them to try to lead them out and they went missing also. So that was wild. Like the four planes just disappeared. And then the rescue nigga, he also was gone. So, whoo, wow. Who knows what the fuck is going on with that? That I feel like that the, mm, coincidence there. I feel like that's a bit much to assume for coincidence in that matter. I feel like that is a little too close to me. Um, but they ended up using some kind of drone that did uh had some kind of technology that did a like a topographical scan of the everglades that basically lifted the terrain like the results or the imaging that the machine was taking was able to i believe remove the topac the the living topography to see what was left on the land that would possibly look like a plane wreckage and so they did a little uh digging and it was another kind of world war ii uh aircraft or something like that but it wasn't the ones that they were looking for so they still haven't found those planes uh as of i will say the four or so four or five different videos that we're talking about the Bermuda triangle i feel like they all mentioned uh flight 19 because it is such an infamous example of who all, you know, has gone missing from that area. That's a really popular, um, it's the United States government. They lost their shit. Like, I, I feel like if the government can't keep track of shit, far be it from a, you know, don't want to say civilian. What is the word that I'm looking for when it's not a government? There's another word for it, but it's tap dancing in the back of my mind and not where I need to. But anyway, um, that was flight 19. They searched Everglades. Um, oh, and I actually was thinking, what about all the bodies that could possibly be buried there? Like y'all are searching for something from 1945. And I'm thinking of things that could be floating around in there from the nineties, the eighties, the seventies, the two thousands, like, there's a lot of apparently uh, the area there, the Everglades, that hasn't even been investigated because it's remotely, it's remote. It's very inaccessible in a lot of areas. Uh, what did I put in the notes here? Corners of Florida that are still inaccessible for some reason um, that haven't been checked. And a lot of it is because it is 
I just said that it's inaccessible. It hasn't been checked because it's inaccessible. I was thinking about the bodies and all the shit that can possibly be hidden in there while they're looking for that plane. Um, so some of the other things that have made the Bermuda Triangle, uh, noteworthy and a large blip on the radar of many of us, if you will. And I'd say many of us in fairness, because there are a ton of videos. There are a ton of documentaries. There are a ton of movies. There are actually a couple of movies also. Um, I'll get to, um, media and such in a busy, in a bit. What was this? Oh, reports of ghost ships. So ghost ships apparently are when there is a vessel, but there is absolutely no one on it. A ship may, there was another, which one was it? I don't remember what video it was in, but one of them made note of a ship that was doing its thing, coming around and going, and they found an empty ship. They got near it. Some of the people from the ship with people went onto the empty ship to see what all was going on. There was a storm. They got separated. A day later, the ship was able to get back to the empty ship, the allegedly ghost ship, to pick up the people from their ship that had gotten on that ship, and those people were now missing. Um, So that was that alleged story. Again, I think it it's in one of those videos that I linked. So have a good time, and I want to lean towards it being the one that was not done by the academics. Uh, but... One of the things that the scientists debunked in that theory uh, in terms of ghost ships was that for the most part, a lot of it is just people, people in their brains. And sometimes like we, our psychology gets to a certain part where uh, panic kind of sets in. So he had some kind of, which was really cool about this episode was the many different professionals that he spoke to. Um, it's a very white industry. I will say that I found it very, um, what's the right way to phrase this? It very much so stood out to me as a black woman that the only black people that were in any of these videos were black sailors in the video of, hold on, I'll give you the title of that one. They were in The Curse of the Bermuda Triangle, Atlas of Cursed Places. Uh, the only Black people were Black sailors in the beginning of that video. And of everybody that was in that shot, the two white men were the only ones who had their names and titles listed. And of course, out of all those Black men, the other white man that wasn't the host was actually the captain of the ship of the people that he was talking to, which is like, so y'all are out in this Black-ass island and the one white person that is not here at this table from someplace else is actually the captain. Cool, cool, cool. Um, So I didn't miss that. That is something that was very uh, loud to me as a viewer, but the information is still the information. I remember having a conversation with Inka Cresswell. I don't remember what episode that was, but I will also add that link to the description box. I was asking her about her time out in the ocean and on ships uh, as a marine biologist and an underwater filmmaker. And she was saying that, you know, there may be many other voices in these conversations. However, the people that sometimes are putting together the packages or that have the funding to reach out to people that do this kind of work kind of all know the same people or just, you know, reach out to the select few that have been published. So a lot of this, the researchers and the people doing a lot of the work may be a little, a little more diverse. However, the people with the, that are getting published, that are getting notoriety and getting the attention for it tend to be white males. And that was overwhelmingly what was throughout every last one of these videos. I think there was only one woman and that was the woman that apparently was the LeBron James of whatever her particular science watershed um, topic was. But uh, that is of note in the overall binging of this content. But what I appreciated was that in that episode, he had mentioned or he had spoken with, 
I don't know if he was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or someone that studies like, you know, um, human behavior of doctor of some umbrella in or under that umbrella, um, human behavior. And he was basically explaining that in a really high stress situation, such as maybe a rogue wave, which I will get to momentarily, um, people make really bad decisions when put under a lot of stress. So it may make sense for you while, you know, waves are crashing and the boat is rocking and moving all over the place for you to get off ship. If you think it's going to go down and to get into a, uh, lifeboat. But what the host was saying was that there are some sailors who are very much so new to sailing through around Bermuda, which is treacherous in and of itself because of the reefs that it is surrounded by. Bermuda is actually made of volcanic rock that is, I want to say like 400 years old or 400 years older than volcanic rock of like another island formation. But that was also described, which was interesting about it because then that leads into another theory about magnets, but we'll get there in a second. But Back to the ghost ships and the Bermuda. He was saying that a lot of the sailors that were in that area just were not aware of navigating the ocean in that general area. In particular, Bermuda is very treacherous because of its underwater topography, which actually has a name that I've put in my notes that I will get to. But that being what it is, they didn't necessarily know that if they waited it out where they were, they would be okay. That was that guy's commentary because apparently he's been sailing the world since he was 20 or some shit like that. I don't know the man. He may have a really interesting story, but it is what it is. It seemed kind of interesting. At first it sounded real pretentious in the beginning when he brought it up, but then he got to the end and it sounded like somebody paid him money as like a 20 year old to just like, all right, you can sail with me, you just got to clean and do the work. But basically I think I'll provide everything else. That's what he made it seem like. And I'm just like, you know what? I know people with a boat. So maybe it's not as pretentious as one would think. And he could be a reasonably down to earth person that just happened to fall into opportunity to be able to tap into these curiosities. I just find um, you know, sailing and boating and the such uh, to be something you kind of do when you've got resources. That is my interpretation. That is my assumption of it. I'd be really curious. That's another possible topic in the future, talking to people that live out on a ship or do like um, oil rigging in the middle of the freaking ocean. My God, that would terrify me and something I would never do. But let me um, just put uh, oil rigging down right next to um, my girl quicksand note, because another thing that I was worried about in the nineties, oil rigging and folk living in the middle of the ocean and not a single mistake. Come on, Mavis Beacon typing. All right. So where was I? Ghost ships, people make poor decisions. They leave a ship that they will actually be safe on and get into a life preserver. And then they really fuck themselves over and end up dying in those, you know, in the smaller vessel. Or they end up hitting what they consider to be like um, vortexes and stuff where you're really not making any progress. Like you feel like you're sailing someplace. You feel like you're going someplace and like a week later or even longer, you end up back in the same fucking spot. At that point, you're running out of fucking water. You're running out of resources. So now you are dehydrated. Unfortunately, salt water is fucking poisonous. They they made a pretty interesting reference where they said from the moment you take that first sip, it's basically a death clock countdown. And it's a matter of how long is your kidney going to last until it cannot expel all of the salt that is in the ocean. Apparently, the liver, or is it the kidney, uh, pulls the salt out of your uh, daily capacity of your daily, um, intake for the day. And the like ocean water has like four times that. So I don't know what the equivalent balance is. How much salt water can you drink before you really kind of go left? Hallucinations are part of what left entails. 
Um, so if you ran out of provisions, if there's no food, if there's no water, um, if, if it's not raining or something and you haven't been collecting rainwater or something like that, I don't fucking know. If you end up drinking fucking salt water, it's kaputs. So that is believed to be the reason for a many ghost ships because they end up being dehydrated and they end up hallucinating, jumping off board or dying some other way. Um, Perishing. Have I said perish yet? I feel like I wanted to use the word perish in this episode. Uh, what was I up to next? So I'd mentioned that the Bahamas, or at least parts of the uh, islands of the Bahamas, are in the Bermuda Triangle area. And one really interesting part, I think I had mentioned earlier that one of the deepest uh, parts of the Atlantic ocean happened to be in the Bermuda triangle. And according to the videos that I watched, that is in Dean's blue hole, which is in the Bermuda, uh, the Bahamas in the Bahamas. It was talked about in the drain, the Bermuda triangle national geographic, uh, video. I ended up, I watched it on, I think Disney plus, but I ended up finding the full video on YouTube for you. So I put that link in the description also, but Bahamas has like a wild underwater topography and that's where I looked it up and underwater topography also known as bathymetry is the study of topography of the deep floors under oceans, seas, and lakes. Y'all like there are mountains on land and there are mountains under the sea. I don't remember what they were called, but there's also, and I don't remember if it was around Bermuda or around the Bahamas, but I believe that it is a type of limestone that forms over reefs. So I feel like that places it near um, Bermuda. Could be wrong, but one of these islands in the Bermuda Triangle, they have, I forgot what it's called, like crashers or rockers or something, the kind of name that they give it, but they kind of sit lower, like they're a little bit under the ocean surface. And apparently they're particularly dangerous when the order, the water is very still, which tends to happen in the doldrums, which I believe was near Bermuda's coast. Yeah. So Bermuda. So I'm pretty sure it was there, but because there's no movement, the waves kind of show what's kind of you know, right under the surface. But when the water is completely still and there's no wind, sailboats aren't moving. There's tons of, uh, there's an area that's got like tons of algae or some shit that a lot of boats were getting stuck in. There's no breeze. So you're not able to kind of push through it. You kind of got to cut through it manually somehow. I don't know how the fuck that worked. So that was another reason why a lot of ships were fucking um, sinking and just not really, there There are, I, I want to say probably hundreds of shipwrecks around Bermuda. Like the coast is littered with them. It's ridiculous. And a lot of that doesn't necessarily have to do with the Bermuda triangle or a mystery in that sense, but there's a ton of reef and a lot of treacherous kind of water uh, patterns and shit. Also Atlantic ocean, Caribbean hurricanes, weather is a thing. Um, But they were talking about I forgot what they're called, maybe crashers, dockers, something. I don't know. But when the water is still and you can't see it, it's kind of like the Titanic effect. The it's the iceberg is the tip that's above the ocean, but we are now aware that there is a larger, possibly more aggressively dangerous um, chunk of ice under the surface that the ship cannot see. So that's kind of how it works with those rocker things, like the limestones that are on top of the reefs. So the ships don't see it and the hard deposits end up ripping. I want to say it's the bow of the ship, but it rips through the bottom of the ship. So that fucks a lot of ships up, ships up as well. And that tends to be part of the bathymetry, again, which is the study of topography of the deep floors under oceans, seas, and lakes. But the underwater topography of the coast makes it very treacherous to sail around Bermuda. Also of the underwater topography is Bahamas. I was mentioning that very deep uh, part of the ocean, which is possibly the deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean. And that happens to be Dean's Blue Hole, which is actually accessible to 
the public. You can go to Dean's uh, Blue Hole and you can do some swimming and snorkeling and all that kind of stuff. You can, I personally wouldn't do it. It's some bodies down there. Um, obviously, the average person isn't able to just do a dive. I'm pretty sure you need some type of certifications and all those other specialty things kind of put in line and put in place for you to be able to um, go further if that's your jam, if that's what you want to do. Um, not for me. I'm uninterested. Um, but the hole is basically an underwater cave system. And a lot of those um, tunnels and passages and all that shit are causing uh, whirlpools at the surface. That was actually a really interesting part of the video. And that one, again, was in the drain, the Bermuda Triangle. That video in particular, I believe I watched on Disney Plus. I think I mentioned that. But that was an interesting video because they used some type of, I believe it was sonogram, but some type of technology where this boat goes out into the water or a ship. I don't know what the particular terminology is. It. I, I feel like the size is the distinguishing difference between a boat and a ship. But um, vessel goes out into the water, whatever its technology is, and it's basically mapping the floor of the ocean as it's going through. So they consider it draining where you actually can see everything that's in the ocean without the water. Um, so a lot of what that video, that documentary focused on was where the planes may have landed when they discussed um, what was it? Plan? What was it called? I forgot that quick. Um, Flight 19. Flight 19. So they did a couple of, you know, um, photo representations. They did, um, it had a lot of visual aids to it, which was, it was interesting. I, I enjoyed that one. But this little section on Dean's Blue Hole was really interesting because the guy was explaining that the, let me see if I can find the first guy. Doo -doo, the oceanic blue hole was first dived to the bottom, excuse me, by cave diver Jim King in 1992 to a staggering depth of 663 feet. I looked it up and it's not even a mile. It's pretty short, actually. It's 663, 663 feet or 202 meters. Maybe I can't do it. So by no means am I just saying, oh, it's not that big. But in terms of um, distance, I believe that shit goes. Now, I watched a lot of information, but I'm pretty sure this man that was talking about this particular section said that that shit, if you keep going further, goes down to like five miles. So 663 feet. Not even being a mile. And by not even being a mile, it's like far from being a mile. I think a mile has like 5,000 and more feet or something like that when I looked it up. But apparently this man is saying it kind of is like, like an hourglass, if I'm not mistaken. So you go into the hole initially and then it comes down and it kind of kind of, I'm thinking of a diaphragm, actually. Women know what I'm talking about. For those of the women that do know what I'm talking about. Um, but it seems like it's kind of shaped like a diaphragm, or you can just think of an hour, an hourglass. So it's got the hole, but then it kind of, the middle here opens up and then it kind of doubles inside. Like it was wild. Like the way they uh, described it was then there are still a bunch of tunnel systems at the bottom of that, so it go you, you get deeper and then it gets wider and then you get deeper and then it gets even wider than the wider that it was before. So it's just a continuation of underwater caves. And then there are tunnels that are shot off and fissures and different kind of pockets and crevices in all of this land that's underwater. And keep in mind that the same way we have hurricanes on, not hurricanes, uh, earthquakes on land, there are earthquakes underwater. There are landslides even underwater. And those types of shifts and those types of heavy movements and large disturbances can cause tsunami waves. Um, one thing that I wasn't really digging that they did in one of these videos, it was quite nasty to me, actually. Um, they had a lot of... Um, 
not speculation, but they kind of baited you through parts of the episode by saying, could a tsunami uh, affect the East Coast of the United States the way it happened? And I was actually just watching tsunami videos a couple days ago. I think that kind of added to me wanting to do <laughs> this episode, but I it just skips my tongue right now, but I feel like it was in 2007, there was a crazy tsunami that happened someplace, I believe in Asia. But so they kind of bait you along listening and they do a couple of investigatings. And what he was saying was he cut like a piece of rock from the bottom of that hole. I don't know exactly how they got to the bottom of the hole. I don't know how they, um, proved that it was actually the bottom of the hole or what any of that shit was. But they're saying that, no, it couldn't. And what was nasty about it, it was like, no, it couldn't get to the U.S. The U.S. is safe, but it would just probably hit some islands in the Caribbean. As if people don't live in the Caribbean. As if the U.S. East Coast is more important. Like the people there, here, where I am, U.S. East Coast are more important than the people in the Caribbean. And that really just has me thinking of that whole shithole country thing where it's like people just don't see the value in um, majority black and brown countries. It, it's it's nasty work. And I, I didn't appreciate it. And I get that you've got, you know, also a consideration, something that he had mentioned in fairness to possibly, this is me not caping for a white man, but just in terms of being a broad thinker, could have possibly meant, because he did mention in part of why being in a tsunami space potentially is of importance to study and find the likelihood of whether or not it can happen because there are fucking nuclear plants along the East Coast. And we have seen what happens when a tsunami hits land where there is a nuclear plant. And that was what happened, I want to say, in one of the tsunamis that happened in 2007. I think that, and it wasn't the one in Thailand, it wasn't just the one in Thailand. I know there was a crazy one in Thailand and I don't remember where it was, but I'd watched like a compilation video of like mad tsunamis. I cannot remember what, if, or if they were the effect of a particular a hurricane at a, a certain area. Like it might've been like Otis or something. I don't remember, but again, a lot of content consumed on the topics. So forgive me if a couple of the little pieces are a little blurry. Um, I'm actually kind of impressed with how much of this I am actually putting, pulling together and remembering for myself. I am seeing that there are thumbs up that are popping up on my screen here. And I'm wondering if that stays in the program or if that also translates into when it's going to be on YouTube. So let's see, I just did one there and it did, I just did a very deliberate one and it didn't pop up, pop up but whatever. So, um, tsunamis, they had said that it was possible that if there were like a, a magnitude of like nine for an earthquake in that area, uh, that could make its way to the East coast. I thought it was na nasty work for them to kind of just dismiss what possible destruction could happen in the Caribbean. But I also can see there being a large concern for nuclear plants being demolished in a tsunami. So I can see that variation of it, but I think they should have put so much more respect on the Caribbean and the people that live there. Um, because they are in danger of, even if it's not a magnitude of nine in terms of that area, it could still fuck them up. So there was that. Um, I had mentioned earlier another, um, Okay, so now I think I am transitioning into one of the last parts, and it is a couple more of the explanations that have been mentioned. And I think I pretty much touched on them, but I needed to clarify what a rogue wave was. So a rogue wave, to me, was quite uh, interesting. It is essentially a very big wave, a big wave, like 
twice as big as your average wave. Um, and I had to pause, talk to boyfriend and was kind of like, all right, so where I think I'm having a little bit of confusion, looking for help with the Pam, Pam situation, stepbrothers reference, if you didn't pick it up. Um, but where I was looking for clarity was the usage of average in fairness, we were talking with a scientist. So in terms of the scientific, uh, realm, average is the mean, the median, it's your middle. It's about, there is, it's in the middle. The average is in the middle. And for the most part, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with a C where I guess colloquially, or, um, is that appropriate? I don't know. But like layman's terms, if you will, when we say average, we kind of imply that we mean what happens the most when we say average. So I was kind of stuck on, well, if an average wave is like 70, 50 feet, 70 feet, let's just say 50. If an average wave is 50 feet, what he was saying was that means that there obviously empirically has to be many that are more just as if the middle is 50 that means that there is an equal amount below as there are above and if 50 is your middle and it goes down to zero then it can in nothing else but pure balance you would assume go to a hundred and better and the man was saying that three in 10k uh waves are indeed rogue waves. And if you think about the, the absolute sheer amount of ocean that is on the planet, 10,000 waves is nothing. And so what he was saying is we see them all the time in terms of the scientists, I guess, that are actually looking for it. They see this shit often enough. They have measured waves over 100 feet. That being the case, a wave of that size apparently the way that the, what do you call them? Um, not tutorial, not necessarily a diagram because it was on the screen, but like the, oh, it was so close. The example, the diagram that they gave the cartoon kind of, you know, when they break down like a description of how it could theoretically look, they made it seem like that kind of wave comes in and I'm sorry, I keep hitting the mic. If, if, if you can hear it, y'all, my apologies. Um, the way they were saying that the wave comes in, it basically props or pushes the ship right like to the top. And if you've got like a long vessel, um, like the tip and the end, if you've got this wave under it, the, a, a ship is not meant to be on a point, if you will. So it the ends can flip they're going to break right in half. The, the shit is going to collapse. Like it, it's going to crack. It's going to break in half. And that was the little diagram, if you will, that they showed us in the documentary. It was like, okay, well that explained one of the wrecks that they had seen that had clean broke down the middle. And the way he was saying was like, oh, it looks too clean to have been some, what could it have been to break it this clean? I'm looking at it like, clean is giving a little subjective right here. That doesn't look clean to me, but again, I'm not a deep sea diver. I don't do this shit normally, let alone at all, let alone ever. So who am I to comment on what this shit should or shouldn't look like? But to me, it didn't look like that clean, but so that to say, that apparently that shit can happen. A hundred foot wave, I could see some shit capsizing. But again, even if something falls or crashes or gets flipped over or sinks, it's still in the ocean, is it not? So the whole idea that things go completely missing, and in fairness, I think it's kind of like, maybe like, uh, what's the word like uh, something human um like a, an egotistical kind of human thing to assume that we would know so much like it could just be me assuming that we should know more because it's like me being human and having an ego in terms of what 
the illusion of the advancement of our science and our uh, innovation and investigation and discovery, right? Like there's so much about the oceans that we don't know. I think we know more about space than we know about the oceans. And I think that that is like factual information. And that being the case, it would track if there are things that we can't find. There's, I'm certain there's shit in this house that I have forgotten that I have lost. So it would follow that something as tiny as a ship in all of the world's ocean can be lost and never found again. Whether there be rock sediment or something that covers it, I, plenty of reasons for this. My degree did not cover this, but um, I feel like I had at least half a semester's worth of coursework after watching all these videos. Um, but that was Rogue Waves. That was really interesting. And I believe that all of the videos touched on Rogue Waves. Uh, another thing that was mentioned was magnets. There is a lot of, uh, what do you call it? The, I'd mentioned that Bermuda is made up of lava from, I want to say it was 400 meters or something below the surface, but it's way deeper than the average, I believe, landmass that is created or resulted from lava at some extent is generally and that being the case it has a whole host of different minerals and sediments in it and there is a ton of that even though bermuda itself is only a couple miles there is still land made of that same volcanic uh residue or lava or rock whatever the correct classification of it is but a lot of that is still there. And so all of that could absolutely affect with, um, interact and affect compass, the a compass. So, um, navigation in boats and absolutely navigation in planes. So the mineral and shit in the earth, whether it be above sea surface or below the surface of the sea, can possibly be affecting the navigational devices of a couple of the vessels that have gone missing, as well as possibly methane blowouts, apparently. Uh, decayed life, fish, animals, and all that kind of shit that die in the ocean, all of their bodies decay over time to the bottom of the ocean, and it creates methane gas to some extent. I don't know how much of it is there, but Apparently, it's enough to cause explosions because, again, remember, shifts in uh, the land doesn't just hope happen above water. It happens underwater also. So if there are, what do you call those again, um, earthquakes or if there is just, you know, whatever causes it, if there is enough movement, there may be an explosion because of all that methane and all of that can shoot all the way up and create a whirlpool. Or it, the gas of it all can just create like an implosion or an explosion of some sort that might bring a plane down underwater, that might bring a ship down underwater. Depending on how much gas is there and depending on how large the disturbance is, how big is that explosion? Who all is in the area at the time? Those are all uh, speculated ways that vessels and planes... Um, may have met their demise and how they may have gone uh, to become disappeared, if you will. Um, so those were some of the reasons I had. There are obviously other reasons, but before I head on out of this one, this was an exciting one, if you cannot tell, for me. I hope you are enjoying this one. But what could have added to the popularity in the 90s is some of the books and the articles that were being written in the decades prior. So first of all, the term Bermuda Triangle, where did I write that down? It was coined. Where did I write his name? Dum, dum, dum. Oh, I think this is it right here. Uh, February 1964, Vincent Gaddis, G-A-D-D-I-S, Gaddis, 
Gaddis, let's just say Gaddis, Vincent Gaddis wrote an article called The Deadly Bermuda Triangle in Argosy, which I believe it was a uh, publication, like a magazine for maritime niggas and shit like that. I think that is what I think I remember um, because they mentioned it in one of the videos and then I ended up Googling it after. But he wrote an article called The Deadly Bermuda Triangle in Argosy saying Flight 19 and other disappearances were part of a pattern of strange events in the region. The next year, Gadis expanded the article into a book, Invisible Horizons. So uh, that was in 64. And then in 1974, the Bermuda Triangle was a best-selling book by Charles Berlitz, which popularized, popularized the belief of the Bermuda Triangle as an area of ocean prone to disappearing ships and airplanes. The book sold nearly 20 million copies in 30 fucking languages. That shit went into some pretty uh, far out there alternative theories um, like crystals and aliens, monsters, space-time warps, and um, somehow being related to the, uh, I guess, the fall of Atlantis. Uh, I am about 70% sure that my grandparents had this book floating around the house. I feel like I have seen this book in somebody's basement. Um, I'm tempted to check that out this weekend, uh, but I also don't really want to dig through shit. At least that's a flighting idea. I'm very, I don't even know that I would be able to prove that theory, but I feel like somebody I knew had that book as a kid. So seeing the title of the book, maybe hearing adults talking about it, news reports here and there. I'm sure there were, uh, there was also a movie, I believe the Bermuda triangle in 1996. There were of course shows. I'm sure X-Files probably touched on the Bermuda triangle in one of their shebangs the same way shows would talk about Roanoke. I was also obsessed with Roanoke, Rotoan, all of that shit as a kid. I loved a good conspiracy theory. Well, to me then it was just history. Sometimes you don't know, um, as a kid, like what is actual factual and then what is kind of like speculation. But these were all things that happened without a lot of context. So as a kid, perhaps all of these buzzings around and a little bit of information here and there is what terrified me as a child and kind of maybe put a little spotlight or a little pause on certain types of travel. I still am not interested in going on a cruise. I personally, um, I know that there are plenty of shorter cruises that go to Bermuda. I don't think I would feel a way going on a cruise to Bermuda. Honestly, I can say that the Bermuda Triangle is not something that I think about when I make my travel plans. It's not something that currently stops me from, you know, going someplace or not going someplace. But it's another testament to how travel is so much more than vacation. This was something that was part of my travel toolbox as a kid. These were the things that, you know, infiltrated my little brain and helped me formulate and come to a point of what my idea of travel was. A lot of the narratives, a lot of the stories we have about some places, about the people of certain places, about uh, the customs, the things that are normal to people from other places are possibly not more than conspiracy theories. It's up to us to either go and try it ourselves and figure it out or to do the proper research and debunk or um, remove the mystification, demystify the things that we have absolutely no idea about. So I challenge you, my dear listeners, to think of something that you may have considered about travel when you were younger or something of travel that you you know, feel a way about or a little blip on the map, if you will, of something that you're a little shaky or questionable about, questionable about something that maybe stands out to you as something you would never do. Do a quick Google search. 
not even something deep dive, go through maybe the first two pages. Let's say maybe the first three pages of Google, because we know the first page is just a lot of fucking ads at this point. But do some scrolling through Google and see if you can reignite some curiosities of your childhood that may influence adult you to take the step that you to take a step into new and uncharted territory, new adventure and opening of horizons. So I hope you guys entertained. I hope you entertained. I hope you were entertained. I hope you enjoyed this episode and, um, stay tuned for that quicksand episode, because I really feel like there's going to be another, uh, deep dive, uh, for that one. I'm, I'm going to check it out, but I hope you enjoyed this episode and feel free to come back every Thursday where I have these quirky and nuanced conversations about the ways that travel intersects with regular life shit. Even if that regular life shit is the musings of a nine-year-old me. All right, y'all have a good one. Bye.